welcome to another episode of Three Wise DMs, the podcast where three dungeon masters, who've been doing this for <laughs> way too long, talk about all the things we do to try to make our games as good as they can be. I'm Thorne, and I'm joined by... Tony. No! Sleep till Brooklyn! No! Sleep <laughs> till Brooklyn! Yes. This time the 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 rapping DM DM Dave joins us at the party. And today, as that implies, we are talking about getting no rest, no rest in your games, no rest for your characters, no refreshing of your abilities, and in general, how the rest, shall we say, cadence of Dungeons & Dragons 5e can completely change the tenor and tone of your game as we're finding out as we just got into the jungle in Tomb of Annihilation. So, uh, so guys, what do you think? You know, we, uh, for the first time, we're playing with a DM who's basically telling us, no, you don't get any long rest. What do you think? How's it going? It's really interesting because now uh, it's a lot about resource management. It's looking much tighter. Our combat's not going to be so gritty and dragged out because there's so much happening. And, you know, you hear like, wow, this, plant, this party's so powerful. Well, of course they are. They're always fighting everything at full strength. They got all their best stuff 100% of the time. So, of course, yeah, they seem like unbeatable. But now, as we're finding, um, not so much. We were like, do I want to use that ability? Ooh, maybe I'll hold it. Yeah, Thorne, I thought that was a really great way to put it, the cadence of resting, right? Because, like, we kind of get used to that, okay, it's nighttime and you long rest. What's interesting, just as like some context, we're probably going to get into yeah. it, but this kind of came up from the Tomb of Annihilation game that we're all playing in. So I think this might be the first topic that we've come up with just as all players, and we're not like running the game. So we're seeing it from the no, other side. <laughs> right? So like we finally get out into the ju- uh, spoilers too, just in case anyone there is a jungle going, yeah. going to run Tomb or anything like this. And I feel like this is. I feel like this is by the book. I, I think this is part of what Tomb Annihilation does so. yeah. as a mechanic. But, like, we long rest, quote, unquote, because we stop at camp while we're traveling through Chult. But because of the hazards and the extreme conditions, we're not afforded the benefits of a long rest. We gain short rest benefits. We gain some additional interesting mechanics that the game puts forth but not the long rest. And what's funny is you actually have to start then paying attention to, okay, wait, what exactly charges on my long rest? How am, where are my spell slots? Those types of things. And that's what I think is really interesting is not that we're just not afforded the ability to make camp, but that because of where we are, it doesn't matter. And that's what's kind of interesting. I will say just as an addendum, it doesn't bother me at all. I'm actually kind of into it as we're, we're talking about but this is definitely, for anyone running Tomb, this is definitely something you probably want to bring up in, like, Session Zero. You probably want to say, hey, by the way, long rests are going to run differently in this game, you know? So that the first, <laughs> like, it kind of works, because the first time you make camp, you go, oh, hey, by the way, but, you know, with the wrong group, that could maybe go south. Mm. 
I will devil's advocate a little bit here because I think I think Chris is running it fine. This isn't and Chris is, is, is Dave's brother and he's the one running the campaign. Absolutely. I don't love this mechanic, and oh. here's why. Okay, I'm an artificer. I'm playing a goblin artificer. He's actually really quick. In fact, his best cantrip level attack is just his light crossbow. He hits harder with that than he does with firebolt. Hmm. But because we're holding the long, because we're not getting the long rest, all I'm doing is sitting back and firing crossbow bolts most of the time. And while that makes it's while it sounds good to say that makes the game more more gritty and a little more realistic, and it does bring home that jungle uncomfortable feeling of you're out in the wild and you don't belong here. From a play point of view, it's kind of boring. Like, I've literally had, like, three fights where I did nothing but take a spot in the back, set up my shield, lay my crossbow across it, and just shoot things for three rounds until we won the fight. Mm. Like, and that's the other side of this, is that when you limit... Now, I do think there's something to be said for limiting the amount of rest that the players take. It is absolutely the tool the DM has to control their power level a little bit. And sometimes some of our games do probably long rest a little too often. Sometimes it's like one fight and a long rest. You know, we do that pretty frequently. Well, um, it's 9.30. Can we lay down? Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know, that always sounds like, oh, we can't long rest yet. But the truth is you can. What do I do? We play Pinochle for five hours. Then we go lay down. You just yeah. chill. Yeah, exactly. That's it. We're chilling out. We're drinking some hooch. We're going to go and then we'll go to sleep when it's time to sleep. But, you know, we're done for the day. But when I wake up, I'm going to have all my stuff back. We all do interesting things. When you don't have your 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 leveled spells, you a lot of players and a lot of the classes. Now, it depends on the class, but many of your classes, especially your spell casting casting classes, are less interesting to play. Because you're only like, I don't think I've actually cast a level spell yet in this game. So, like, yeah, not, I, not since we hit the jungle. I would agree with you in that way because, like, obviously I'm playing a ranger with my uh, Gip Roosevelt, but like my spells are not. I'm a I'm I'm very much playing him as his spells are utility spells. He's a martial character. I mean, yes. his his rifle is is all I ever need. He's got, he's right? got the musket, and I and I and I infuse it with repeating shot, and yeah. you know he's yeah. our he's our artillery. And now that we're uh, we're third level, now I'm really going to start wailing in some damage on some dudes, right? But um. But it is, that is a good point. The martial characters definitely, they, I think, so Tony is playing the monk, so the very martial, I'm the ranger. Um, so I think the martial characters feel it in a different way because they feel, quote unquote, the grittiness of it, where spellcasters just feel like, oh, like, yeah, I could cast this spell, but then, like our cleric, like he's like, do you really need to cure wounds right now? Because if you don't, like yeah. all the better. Well, well this is going to hit home for Bixie and I'll tell you why. So I made Bixie the boom goblin as an artificer artillerist. So he gets an Eldritch cannon he gets to make and the intent, mm. it seems like the intent of the Eldritch cannon, which you summon and sticks around for an hour and you can summon it once per long rest. It sticks around for an hour and then you need to use a spell slot. If you want to summon it again door before you take a long rest. So you can oh. essentially summon it, once plus once for each spell slot you have, or just once for free, then you long rest, you get it back, you have it for an hour. I feel like the intent of the character is you always have this. You know, it's kind of like the rogue always gets sneak attack. I feel like it's intended that I'm always going to have this. But with this rule, I'm going to get to summon that Eldritch Cannon like once well, per no, week. Yeah, no, what I, I th not that you'll always have it, but the, you get the sense that with most of the times we think of long, and that's what we're going to really break. Well, in. here's we what I mean. Long by that. rest that once a day. You're going to be able to do these these amount of things. Well, right? well, well, here you're, I understand what you're saying. That's not quite what I mean. 
Okay. Like, so they've gone on the record, like with Watsy saying the rogue is, you, you might feel like the rogue gets sneak attack too often or too easily, mm-hmm. or DMs get annoyed by rogue having sneak attack. Watsy's going on the record as saying, we expect the rogue as for power balancing reasons to have sneak attack pretty much all the time. Right. Yeah. Because right. that is how it's balanced. I believe the artificer, the artillerist artificer is balanced to have the Eldritch cannon pretty much all the time, because otherwise you're not really doing much. Like I said, my, my spells, if I don't have the Eldritch Cannon, the only thing I'm really doing is shooting a crossbow. Like, the Eldritch Cannon gives you an extra 2d8 damage per round, and it can be either a flamethrower or a ballista, or you can actually give people 1d8 plus your uh, bonus every turn and temporary hit points. So you can also, you got three things you can do with it. You can heal. You just, you just you shoot, shoot them with eight. healing fire. That's actually, yeah, yeah, we will definitely, I will definitely be shocking you all to heal you. But like, so the thing is, I think, I feel like in the balance of this character and the way I intended to play this character, I thought I'd have an Eldritch Cannon every day. And it looks like the way we're playing with this rule, I'm going to have, I'm going to get to cast that like once a week. And that really changes the tenor of this character. I don't think it'll last forever. I'm not bitching about it. Like I'm not, I'm not going to go complain to Chris about it, but I do see it as something that could potentially be frustrating where I'm like, all right, I got the cool thing. That's what my character's designed around. And I can now only use it once a week instead of like every day. That's a little annoying, you know, and it does make the character, I think less interesting to play, which is really what gets back to my point there. Sometimes you're losing out on stuff that makes the character fun to play. Like, so I play Phineas, the warlock in Curse of Strahd. Warlocks would fucking rock mm-hmm. in Tomb of Annihilation because they get all their spells back every short rest. So if you're a warlock, if I was Phineas here, I would have access to all of his spells, all of his level spells every time we short rested or every time we rested. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm not Phineas, because I'm an artificer, I get access to all of my spells once per long rest. So it really changes how those balances work. I think a warlock's much more powerful than a traditional caster in, in a setting where you're not long resting more than once a week. Now, on, to be fair, on the subject of this mechanic specifically to Tomb, I hope it's really not truly limited to we can only long rest when we get to a fort because yeah. that's going to be some scary shit, folks. And I think I that's, think that's what it is. That's what he that's what he that's what the DM expressed it as. Well, what? Yeah. The, so if. And I am specifically, as we probably all are, we are specifically not looking into the adventure at all yeah. so as not to uh, to ruin these things. My guess would be, just having run Strahd and the way it works, to tell you the truth, this type of mechanic, like when he sprung it on us last game, when we finally get out into the jungles, right? Which, again, I think narratively and the whole, like, reveal thing, it works, you just want to make sure, again, if you're running the game, depending on your group, make sure they're not going to take it as a gotcha moment. That's all. Mm-hmm. So that's a, just a, you know, again, a session zero type thing. But I look back at this and I look at Strahd and I go, man, this would have really been fun to play with as the travel mechanic, not the constant game mechanic, but the idea that, okay, we're going to travel from the village of Barovia to Bone Grinder or Balaki. And for the most part, okay, we're going to hit some random encounters. No problem. We can knock these things out. We'll make some watches at camp. Like, yeah, yeah, it's dark. It's scary. Wolves. Who the fuck cares? You know, eat a first car. One of our players cares a lot. One of our players practically picked up a wolf. Uh, well, that's a true. Wolf yeah. phobia. Like, for the most part, like, yeah, eat a firebolt. Who cares? I'll spam this all day in Elder Splash, right? <laughs> so, like, travel, like, and people are constantly talking about, like, should I make travel longer to make it more dangerous in between the towns? This is a mechanic, I think, that can really do that 
travel-wise, that it it makes it a different aspect of the game, but it's not something where the whole game is just, oh, well, you never long rest, you know. Um, but anyway, that's just a thought of mine as I as I played through it. I went, man, this might have made Barovia seem really scary. You know? Well, out of curiosity, was that in the Bar- – there's nothing like that in, in no, the first No, not at all, and that's what's funny. I, I would love if It does feel like it would be a good fit. Drop this mechanic <laughs> in because, like, Strahd is the land, so he's like, fuck you, you don't rest, you know, whatever. That, I, that would make sense, yeah, yeah. The, what do you uh, think, Bar- Tony? The Bavarian Valley is probably about a thousandth of the size of Chult, to be perfectly honest. That is true. Like, no doubt. Looking at, looking at these maps, uh, respectively, but uh, – on one hand, if I could play the devil's side, uh, we came, I came from a time when my wizard got uh, like two or three spells per day, period. Yeah. Suck it. I mean, we're talking, I'm out there with my walker and my bathrobe throwing daggers in my 10 armor class. These were some tough times. Darts. Darts were the secret. Three hey, dart attacks per round. You put some poison on them. Now you're an offensive weapon. Yeah. It, was, it was great. Like, you know, I'd burst into a room, cast sleep. They take the monsters down. We burst into another room. They look at me and I'm like, I'm done. Sorry. I'll, I'll see you at 11 p.m. Bonk with my stick. I bonk it with my stick. With my 13 strength and my hilariously inept combat abilities. But on the flip side of this, to the other extreme, I've always kind of felt like in 5e, the long rest was a bit of super baby mode. And what do I mean by that? Mm-hmm. Recharging spells and abilities? Not necessarily. The full Wolverine Deadpool level regeneration that takes place. Well, you're bitten by a shark? Take a good nap. Wrap yourself in a blanket, have some stew. You're fine. Cannonball? Same remedy. Unless you're diseased or poisoned or something like that, you're just going to spring back. And I, I that also, I think I mentioned uh, before we got in the chat, I think that affects the storytelling. It affects how yeah. what's the philosophy of your monsters, and the DM isn't under such pressure to roll out these formidable monsters. We just throw out some monsters. Go ahead, chew them up. They're gonna hurt you. You're gonna get weakened. You're gonna burn stuff you probably want later. Have fun. Mm. And just before any of our listeners says it, yes, Tony is well aware, and so are we all, that the way you're supposed to describe damage is that it's basically just a whittling away of your will to resist, and then only the kill shot actually is the shark bite. But let's face it, when you actually describe a fight, that's not how you describe a fight. You talk about people getting run through, whacked across the head. You talk about actual damage. I, I get why Watsy does the full wrestling. It's more about losing stamina and the ability to defend yourself than it is about actual taking deadly wounds. But even though I know that and I can buy it, when I describe the combat, no, people are taking deadly wounds. I, I agree with that, too. And I actually have thought, uh, I've actually been thinking the past couple of weeks, I'm like, man, I I would really like to describe some fights just from watching certain movies recently. And I'm like, when I'm really watching the cinematic battle, it's not just necessarily that they're just trading blows, but it's like I slipped the jab, I did this, you know, it was a yeah. glancing blow. And I think that's a kind of a fun way to, to play with hit points, too, just to kind of back up what you were saying. But... What I will add to that, even with that, this idea that you're just whittling away your will to to fight and survive, even that, though, is going to be whittled down by itself. So even like if I have a shit week at work or a shit day at work, like I don't just like every bounce week. back on Tuesday like, yeah, let's do it. Maybe. Maybe I fucking don't. Maybe I wake up and it's rainy and I'm like, fuck this. I don't want to do it, you know? <laughs> So like that's like the, if we want to bring like that reality in. So 
I've I've always kind of liked that idea. We've even talked on the cast before, like the idea of instead of just you recharge all your hit points, roll out all your hit dice and your cons. So it gives that variability, you know, but the idea of the long rest, you can just say, okay, long rest benefits. Now let's get on with the game. It's the quick button, but the quick button, as we've talked about, sometimes takes away some of that, some of that stuff we want to maybe play around with some of that subtle nitty gritty stuff, right? The stuff Dave wants to play around with. He keeps trying to talk us into permanent injury decks. <laughs> and so far, the players have not been game for this, including me and Tony. Well, they did that in Dragon Age, but then you had kits to overcome that. and that yeah, was There fine. are ways to get around it. I'm not saying you can't. You're always not having an arm. It's and just, they, look, man, when you get an arm chopped off, you get an arm chopped off. No, it's the will. My arm fell off because I'm, I'm really worn down from this. Adelard, Adelard the Bard had his arm mangled in the one fight. And like, I didn't even realize that he had been role-playing for like two sessions after that, a mangled ass arm and why he's not carrying a shield. Cause he texts me like privately, like, Hey Dave, by the way, if you're going to be taking like regeneration, like I would really appreciate if you would like grow my arm back for me next session. I was like, uh, yeah. And in my head, I'm like, I didn't even know you didn't Fucking arm, you, know, you know the thing about that was that was that came from the session with the corpse flowers yeah. where he wound up dead and impaled on a corpse flower, Absolutely. and he he chose that like he actually yeah. talked to me the next day and he wanted the and a lingering injury from it and I was like yeah sure go ahead be my guest uh, yeah, just <laughs> no, no one else my back no one else knew about it that was the only problem yeah yeah th- 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 I guess you know and I actually look back at that as I don't know if that was a matter of him not playing it up enough or me not playing it up enough I kind of wish I'd hit that a little harder not really the topic for tonight no no I wish I had done a little more to help him role play that because it was kind of a cool thing he was doing yeah and he was doing it voluntarily and it does add very tasks to the game but a good a good point in that the long rest didn't matter you, your arm is still fucked up <laughs> well, it, it, it technically mattered as far as the DM was concerned. It was the the player who decided. Yes. No, no, no. I self-imposed sanctions. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> no, I will take this. I will take this punishment. My arm is hanging on by a thread. Can't you see this? Thank you, myself. May I have another? <laughs> good role players in that group. Really good role players. Good role in that play, group. Yes. Scott's definitely one of them. Yeah, willing, willing, willing to not only willing to take it, but going out of his way to find ways to make it feel a little more realistic. And I, I, I respect that in a player. So, getting back to our rest cadence, though, like yeah. you know, so we're seeing how it's working out in Schultz, and you know, we talked about some of the pros and cons of that. You know, what's funny is. For me, I wouldn't mind if your hit points didn't all come back, so long as I got my spells back. <laughs> the problem is, once you get your spells back, you get all your hit points back because the healer just wakes up and goes, "Okay, heal, heal, heal. We're good to go." You know, so like that kind of undercuts the slow heal anyway. But for me, like, because I know the DM has pointed out, "Hey, you know, make sure you guys know your hit points haven't regenerated, even though we leveled up, we didn't get extra hit points from it." But me as a player. Um, yeah, like I'm like that's not even my biggest concern. I'm less concerned with my hit points than I am with my ability to do cool stuff. What I suggested to Chris was that perhaps for the spellcasters, uh, we should allow a recharge like you would a wizard in these cases. Maybe, yeah, or maybe you can use it. Maybe you can use one of your hit die to recharge a spell slot instead of to getting hit points back. Ooh, that's a fun mechanic. Yeah, so something, just something that so would you can change. play around a bit more. Yeah, that would change the idea where we have, uh, and again, you know, spoilers for people running it, but, you know, it just kind of goes into our conversation here. But those ideas of, like, the whole campfire things that we're doing where you can do certain activities 
and gain certain benefits from them. One of them being an extra hit die. Now, if you could then take that extra hit die and say, okay, I'd like to use my, my, you know, my life force, my, my will to survive my, my brawniness and charge up and kind of push it into my, you know, kind of like in Cthulhu, right? Where you can keep casting magic, but you're going to start taking it off your hit points if you lose yes. magic points, yeah. right? So yeah, kind of the reverse of that, right? is you use your magic points, and once you're out of magic points, you can then use hit points yeah. to replace magic points. And, like, and your magic points similar, aren't high. <laughs> that would be a similar type mechanic because then it still is resource managed. It still makes it so you're not all power. It still costs you something to do that, but especially at low yeah. levels. Because what do you have? We're third level. We have three hit dice. But it evens it out because basically at third at third level first even at first level the the martial characters are spending their hit points the these the sorcerous characters the the magical characters are spending their their spells yeah so that makes it like so now it's even because right now it's not even right now I feel like Cholt I don't mind it I don't want to, I don't want to come off like I'm complaining about it too much because it's fine but like if I'm looking at it from like the really cold point of view of what's going on game mechanic wise Cholt punishes your typical your sorcerers your wizards your art your your artificers anyone who recharges spells on a day on a long rest it punishes them and it doesn't punish the warlock it doesn't punish the melee character the um, the fighters in the same way it actually barely punishes the warlock at all i think a warlock would shine here so it's like it's it's not just that you have the negative it's that it's unevenly applied it affects some classes more than others there is something else going on and i don't know how we've like delved into this super deep yet the the warriors one of the reasons why i took a monk that sealed this deal because i originally kind of was kicking around paladin is that you're in a freaking jungle so your armor not such a great idea mm. yes yeah yeah so, we all no, specifically aren't wearing a lot of heavy armor for that reason yeah but i mean but at the same time the paladin you really who wears heavy armor in fifth edition paladins and fighters and maybe clerics everyone else has something that lets them get away with everyone else is better off being dex focused and not wearing the armor Yes, but there there is a trade-off. Like that's what really makes those core characters tick. Yeah, but so, it, it's not really a trade-off because say you have well, it depends how. If I was a paladin with a thirteen armor class, I'd be salty. No, but if you have but if you have a dex of eight, <laughs> if you come into the game with a dex of eighteen, that's plus forty your AC. Then you have studded leather, that's twelve. You now have an AC of sixteen. You grab a shield, you have an AC of eighteen at first level. Like I think that's as high as you can get getting heavy armor like there isn't really a benefit to going heavy armor at that point there is a little later in the game and there isn't carry weight like it kind of offsets and that is a worthwhile build still but there's only a few builds that want to use heavy armor there's a lot more builds that want to use dexterity like we were talking today amongst ourselves about a crit fishing paladin and like there's there's an elven build that i'm I'm kind of toying around with after after chris kills bixie that would be a crit fishing (laughs) critical fishing build that i would roll out and but that guy is actually going to be finesse focused because you want to get elven accuracy there. So he uses a rape. He would use a rapier. He'd get elven accuracy. He'd be a vengeance paladin. Vengeance paladins get advantage really easy. And elven accuracy gives you a third die whenever you have advantage. So every attack he makes could potentially be with three dice. And then you throw in something else. Maybe, you know, if, if he picks up like a scimitar or a dagger or something, so he can offhand attack as well. You're talking about, you know, at a relatively, you know, at a kind of middle levels, you're talking about him getting, nine d20s per round so he's basically going to crit every other round 
Yeah, I still have to, like, I remember you send all the math and stuff, I still would have to, like, break it out and stuff. But <laughs> we carry the to get back to but, I mean, just my point, my, I'm sorry, just my point was just yeah. that you need to be dex to do that. And there's more things that pay off dex-wise like that, I think, in the game than there are strength things That's that pay right, off on strength. So you wind up with you're better off having a lighter armor guy than a heavy armor guy almost anyway. And Schultz just punishes the heavy armor guys even more. So, the, um, but uh, just to get back to the point you made, because I think it's an important one, too. Like we should we're prefacing this in a good way and saying that, like, personally, like, I don't think any of us were like, what the fuck, man, about the long rest thing. I yeah. think all three of us actually, when it first happened, at least for me, and I would guess you guys, because you're also fellow DMs in the same way, went, oh, shit, how can I use this? Okay, let me look at this. And I think that's what we're really doing here. And when you're, when you're saying you're taking that kind of very objective view about it, it's really about that, okay, if I'm looking at this to design it and place it in one of my games, how do I best utilize this really cool idea that, Maybe it's a prototype, so let's see how it plays out, type of thing. So I think that's what we're really we're really talking about with this, because that's the first thing I thought. I was like, oh shit, how can I use this? Well, because it game... goes right to what I've been talking about for a while, which we all have, which yeah. is how do we make it so that you know you can tax the players and make them have to work for it a little sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes. I would just go on the record as saying I, I'm the one guy who hasn't been interested in taxing the players more, but I'm also the guy who kills play who who gets players right down to death's door a lot more often. Yeah. So yeah. I want you to have the hit points because the players are already angry, already get salty by how often they go down in my game. I don't want to make it any harder on them. The monsters are going to make it harder. But I mean, I come into these things in a similar way because I'm kind of the game theory guy, you know. I'm, I'm really looking at it from a game design point of view, from a game theory point of view. I'm looking at it from, okay, that's a mechanic. That's cool. How's this going to work? But I'm also analyzing, okay, so if you wanted to play this best, well, some classes are better for this than others. Like there's pros and cons and there, there are, it's, there's unevenness in here. And how does that affect the games and the choices we make? Because if I'm coming in with a character later, I'm absolutely planning that character around not having a lot of long rest, which means I'm, playing like a maybe a martial character or a warlock or one something like that because that is, impacts how effective they are but also one thing that this will uh and then tony you can jump in here one thing that we're going to see though i think is once we start to level past that first tier into second and third a lot of that stuff this is that intro let's let's set the tone let's create that sense of danger because in five, six levels, these guys are going to just – they're going to laugh at that because they're going to have the ability to just bypass all that shit. I mean, shit. what level is Lama's Tiny Hut coming at? Is that like a level three spell? Yeah, I mean, that's that's coming soon. Probably – you yeah. can probably get that at level five, I think. Level I and mean, once you get Lama's Tiny Hut, this all goes out the window because you can you can always long rest. You just cast the hut every night. Well, the thing there is from – the, the, I find this very interesting in terms of both the, the encounter and the storytelling perspective is – and I kind of touched on this earlier – this puts less of a burden on the intensity of the encounters. Mm -hmm. So you can really throw out some encounters. I mean, really, we fought, uh, we had a bunch of on the map encounters, which really are the bait of my existence in Roll 20. Because, like, I see, like, you know, our guys come up, do to do. I'm like, and then all these monsters start coming. And I'm like, oh, all right, let me get a coffee. And, uh, but we had a bunch of encounters because they were kind of lower 
you know, in terms of armor class and hit points, we exchanged some blows, things happened, but it didn't really tie up a lot of time. And especially for us in Roll20, I mean, that's literally our most valuable resource. We can only accomplish X per game, you know, per month. That's what Mm -hmm. we're looking at because you have so many games running. This really allowed me to feel like we covered a lot of ground, literally and figuratively. I don't know. On that map, it doesn't look like we covered that much ground. I was actually disappointed by how far we got. <laughs> That's a yeah. big map. We're like well, a this third is our of the way there. Uh, how many days we got to do this before we get to the Yeah, this is our first, uh, at least in 5A, this is the first hex crawl we've done. Because they, they pulled out the old hex crawl map for Chult, man. And that shit takes a long time to get through, dude. Like, especially when you're having to run half speed and shit like that. Like, oh my God. One hex per day. And you can't long rest until you get out of the jungle. I mean, I think we're literally, I think it's like 21 hexes. I think it's literally like three weeks without a long rest. <laughs> what we're going to see, man, I'm really looking forward to like Camp Vengeance or whatever the hell we're going to run into. I don't care what's there. I'll clean it out so I can fucking go to bed. Camp Rage. I don't even <laughs> know there's any camp we could use. I'm curious. That was a out. great example, though, uh, with some of the lower level encounters. Now, that's also because we were a level two party. So you're going to have these lower level encounters anyway. But the idea that we were we were matched, if anything, we kind of felt like we had it in some ways. Like I would come in and roll out my rifle and blow a thing, blow his head right off in one shot kind of yeah. feel, you know. So you could run those battles a lot quicker. And, you know, you know, the, the goblins that we run into actually are, a, uh, as you said earlier, a formidable force. You know, even if you roll 12 of them out at you <laughs> or yeah. however many we had that once. And that's a good storytelling tool versus I need to put out X amount of monsters for you to grind the dust to get to the next level mechanic, which is what we came from. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not putting out X amount of monsters for you to grind to dust to get to the next level. I'm putting out the monsters that make sense for the encounter I'm playing. But it still winds up being my encounters definitely run a little longer. Also, they run longer because I tend to open it up and be like, okay, well, there's the encounter, guys. What do you? How do you want to approach this? And then you guys talk for a while and figure well, out. Well, and we're talking the difference between a level two party and a level 14, 13 party where that's true. you got to throw out a thing that's a fucking bucket of hit points. It's going to take a while. But I'm saying it's going to – if you don't, it's going to be over and around because, yeah. you know, six people are going to unload 300 points of damage, you know, and there's not a lot that can take that. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, in the last episode of Woodstock Wanderers, the bad guys used Hold Person on the Barbarian and took her into an adamantine tower and immediately killed her in one hit. So I think we're going to get a lot more Hold Persons out of this. Uh, do you Actually, does Beam have Hold Person? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but the problem gonna is start, he's going to start using it now. Well, no, the problem that you have with that is that it is specifically whole person, so it only works on humans, where like creatures and things of that nature, monsters. You whole have monster to have, comes up um, later. Hold, yeah, hold monster. Like Roderick had hold and dominate monster, uh, and I took those specifically so I could like, you know. Yeah. Oh, They're different. Though. Dominate monster is totally different. From oh hold yeah. Monster. Oh no, I'm aware. They're, they're different effects. I mean, because Phineas okay. has them both. Phineas has has I believe both of them too. I mean, because any humanoid that whole person effect. Well, we have a paladin in that party too, so the automatic crit function is going to get very very damaging very quickly. Absolutely. So what kind of, I mean, I guess we're seeing different sides of this now. How frequently do you think we should be long resting in your average D&D game? Not, not something like Cholt or, 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 you know, Dave's plan for Curse of Strahd, where, <laughs> where, where you're really trying to torture the players. But for an average, for a regular D&D game, how often do you think you should long rest? 
I don't know that I could throw out a formula for something like that, but I have to say that if you're the party, really, it should there needs to be tension. And for me to say I can just go take a nap after every battle, that is there's no tension at all, and that's not good. Like you really, there's got to be. I mean, there's other ways to approach it. I mean, sure, you could blow up their t- their tiny hut with magic, or be like, really hey, can't. You're, you're, uh, you, can dis- you, can, you have to disenchant it. What, what yeah, you really, you really can't. I mean, seriously. No, you can't do anything but disenchant it. Like, it's immune to, like, everything else. Yeah. Wow, yeah. that's a cool third-level spell there. Dispel magic would literally remove it with a very simple check. It's just not many monsters in the wild have dispel magic just hanging out like an ogre. It doesn't just, like, throw a dispel magic out of his pouch, you know? So my point <laughs> is, though, you just put them on something that's timed. And be like, you need to get from here to there in this time frame. So yeah, throw up your hut. You can do it. You may fail the ch- may may this time challenge. You can't do that all the time, but that's one way around it. Yes. About you. how many about how many encounters do you think they should be running per long rest? About how many encounters before you want to give them the full reset? What I really like about what's happening in Chult is we ran a lot of encounters and they all they like had cool. different flavors. One we could avoid through conversation. One, we had to fight. One, we just straight avoided. One, we went around entirely. Actually, two, we went around. So it was like five. So that really, it also changes the philosophy of how the party sees monsters. And again, we came from the dark ages of Dungeons and Dragons, where there could be a 10-headed hydra there dripping venom. And the the party fighters are like climbing over each other to get out there and start (laughs) hacking at it. There was no fear of death because they just had, each one had 80 hit points and four attacks and minus six armor classes, and they were just loaded at all times. <laughs> this kind of changes it. What about you, Dave? What do you think? About how many encounters per long rest? Well, or even going, short rest? yeah, going back to what you said earlier, where you said uh, how often should they be able to long rest? Uh, my answer would be as often as they can. But when can they is the biggest thing so if they're just walking through the jungle or something then hey man long rest and then if you want you know you want to mix it up you throw some stuff that interrupts their rest maybe whatever but, but for most of part unless you attack them with a fucking army like they're going to take care of the the encounter they're going to go back to bed they're going to get their long rest but when the timer is on as tony said when there are going to be consequences if you decide to just hunker down you know what let's just we're just going to sleep right now. Like, it's okay. Like, the town will probably be, be fine, right? I'm sure that that villager that was kidnapped by Strahd, I'm sure they're not being turned right now. So, like, let's just, like, get a nice rest and we'll head out. We'll get up early. We'll head out, right? We'll take – no, like, people are going to be like, okay, we can't. We can't stop. We have to move. Just like in the final battle with Strahd. You guys went to the dinner – and then shit went down. He mm-hmm. escaped, and you were like, "We have to fucking end this because he just released all of these fucking Nosferatu and vampire spawn into Barovia, right? He's escaped from us. He's going to like we need to take care of this now." And you guys ran down into the crypts and the cellars of of Ravenloft, you know, because there was a consequence to it. So you could have sat and said, "You know what? We're gonna just hole up in the room," you know. Barovia will just have to fend for itself, and then we'll take It'll care of it It'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's funny, because neither one of you guys actually has a number in mind of, like, yeah. how about how many encounters you think the game is built for per long, short rest or long rest? 
Now, I could say the number that they they tell you in the book, you know, how many encounters people are supposed to get through in an, in an adventuring day, which is an enormous amount. It's like six to eight encounters in an adventuring day. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know what fucking game these guys are running, but like. Well, going to mine. I mean, geez. Shit, because, I mean, for, for me, now, this isn't how my game usually runs, but I feel like the game was probably meant to run two to three encounters per short rest and then five to six per long rest. Okay. I think that's kind of the number I have in my head. Now I've never run that. I've always been more like, <laughs> I've always been more like, you know, it's like I'll give you a chance to short rest after almost every encounter, and you're probably long resting after like two or three encounters. That's yeah. how my games actually run. But I feel like that's about double the. I feel like I'm allowing you about double the rest you probably should be getting, in part because I know the encounters are hard. Like, but I actually have those numbers in mind. You guys don't like kind of think about you don't, you don't like don't think about that at all. Not so much. I mean, I keep coming back to this example. In Neverwinter Nights, there was a third edition uh, D&D game. It was, and you make your character run around through the stories and what have you. And you could just literally, if you're not being attacked, you could just rest. And you would just sit down in your full play, take a nappy poo, and that Wolverine regeneration moment. Same as it was there, same as it has been in many different places. Dave actually stole my, a little bit of my next point. Uh, beca- because That's what right. I was learning from playing... I, that's your point, sir. Um, I'm playing Ghost of Tsushima on a, a PS4, and one thing the Mongols are great at is taking hostages. So, <laughs> so, so weird. That's so not historically accurate at all. Jeez, no, yeah. not at all. So, so my point is, you can't like, can't always throw a Polo document. I, we don't uh, all have Mongol blood in us somewhere. No. <laughs> Genghis oh. Khan had something like ten thousand children yeah, or something. Yeah, what are you talking about? What was that rap battle? He, I got descendants from like Poland to North to uh, Korea. Yeah, really. No. Um, but uh, yeah, that's something that you know, even low level, reasonably cunning opponents, they could kidnap somebody. And of course, that's gonna get old too. You don't want to do that every like every other scenario. But it's in the toolbox. Go kidnap someone. You want to save them from getting, I don't know, eaten by these ogres? Well, you better hustle. No, great example. Uh, I'll take it back to uh, the Strahd game because there are times where I I am definitely thinking where I don't want them to really rest. Uh, and I'll try to set up best I can scenarios that will push that a little bit. I mean, in the end, they're going to do what they're going to do, but there will be consequences. Like my thought a thing that we do in Woodstock all the time, we set up the tiny hut, or now we have the magnificent mansion, right? Boop, and we just hang out. Or in Storm Caves, we try would to just get yourselves not a Mantine Tower, right? <laughs> or we'll even have that, maybe. Who knows? Um, you know, or in Storm Cave, we had the the coin operated time tent thing, right? Like whatever. Like we just set Strictly up. Strictly cannon. Yeah, we stood up in the middle of the steading of the hill giants, and we were just like, we're just gonna hang out for a half second, be out. We'll be out in just a second. But my my thought was, if you guys did something like that, where you attempted to rest, even if you had a tiny hut or something, I would have uh, Strahd or some of his minions show up dragging some of the bodies of Barovians that you knew. He would have just gone out and grabbed them and hung them in front of you and be like, you know, you can come out and claim them or not, you know. They're going to die, you know. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eviscerate them right now. You know, your classic every story in the world ploy right come out of your castle i have your you know your queen i'm gonna kill her 
You know? I've got your barber. Oh. Yeah, whatever. Who cares, right? But like something. He nicked like my that. ear last time anyway. Go ahead. Yeah, like I would have brought Blinsky in or something, like dragged him in oh, and like you know, God. and like God. that would have been it. Like a little one would have been like, no, we're not wrestling anymore. That would have been hilarious. You should have done that. Yeah, I like, and that's what I'm saying. If I needed to, you could you have those things to push them towards realizing that there's a consequence for your resting. You know, just like anything, like any good. Um, drama or action adventure, they can rest almost any time, but shit's going to go really, really bad for everyone else in the city, the town, the world, the universe, whatever. Nakatomi Tower, whatever, right? Doesn't matter. That's it, yeah. So, so you you really think of it more as, well, look, when I don't want you to rest, I just won't let you rest. Well, I, you know, you can still do it, but like, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to try to. The world continues. Up. Yeah, I'm going to try to set up a situation where there's a consequence to that or a time. Something is happening. And if you don't stop it, I mean, you don't have to, but it's going to happen then. Right. I mean, of course, inside that Lamont's tiny hut, you have the rogue setting up a sneak attack to blow Strahd's brains through the back of his head into the tree behind him. <laughs> that and is that the is... problem. As we learned with the green dragon, when you when, when the bad guy comes out and forces you to do something, a lot of times it doesn't work out well for the bad guy. This <laughs> missile attacks. Yes. Goddamn ranged attacks. That's it. Every bad guy needs to travel with a retinue of 100 archers in D&D just to make sure they're going to get you know, picked off by missiles and spells. <laughs> What about you, Tony? I mean, you well, do. Uh, do you? What do you do to kind of manage their resting? Well, I want to pose this question: Is a short rest really a short rest? Because when I think short rest, I'm thinking five to ten. You take it five, maybe you take it fifteen. You're gonna sit here for an hour. It's an one hour. One hour. That is that. What is short about that? Like if you're like hustling through a layer or something, you know, we break. All right, let's you know bind some wounds, throw some spells. That's a short rest. What's well, a lunch and, break? In France, well, no, I mean, Tony, that's like, a, no, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a lunch of, break in most of America until you know until about last decade when they started going forty-five minute lunch breaks because you get a lunch. What are you? Are you no, Tone, that's a good example because, uh, for instance, I don't really prepare it anymore because it's not useful in in our game generally. But like the prayer of healing that clerics have, that is specifically a ten-minute casting time to cast a leveled up healing spell that's pretty hefty but you have to spend 10 minutes so you don't take that hour but it's that five to ten to bind wounds and st yeah so like there are mechanics for that but yeah absolutely that whole hour like that's a lot happens in an hour good god like that whole war scenario we ran which i actually really enjoyed thorn uh that um well, there might be an article on the site about that I, I need to figure that out still but that it was uh we did a we did a mass combat uh, in the last game of Woodstock Wanderers in a way that I think we found a way to do it. That was pretty, pretty easy, pretty much in line with normal D and D, but still felt like a mass combat. Oh, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll publish the details. Not a little later. There's there, there, there is a one tricky thing about how do you figure out the hit points, but uh, no. that's I, I the hard part. That, cause wanna, there's not a direct translation. I didn't want to dive into your mechanics. My point is that whole mass combat, all that shit that went down. How long was that real time? About three hours. Two to three it, hours. No, that was three. I mean, like in the excuse me, in the game, not. Oh, in the no, game. No, the combat as far as number of turns. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, like probably five minutes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like all this insanity, like all of hell broke loose in about five minutes. But that's like, I mean, you got to compare that to like UFC fight. UFC, the average UFC UFC rounds are five minutes. 
you do three rounds for a fight. It's a 15 minute fight. Championship fights are 25 minutes of go time with breaks in between. You know, I mean, it's it's different from boxing where you traditionally had three minute rounds and they would go as deep as like, you know, now they think these days you go about 10, 12 rounds. They don't go as deep as they used to go. But, you know, all those things are kind of like a little the little all fighting sports kind of come down to a short burst of energy and then resting. And even in like the old UFC, when you couldn't do where they didn't have rounds, it still wound up being a short burst of energy. Then guys hugging each other and resting. That's why they went to the round structure. <laughs> it's a short burst of energy. Then it's like five minutes of wrestle fucking where we're not using a lot of energy and trying to the get hoist, back, and someone tries to explode. The hoist Gracie rule. That's what that was. Because he rolled for 22 and a half hours over the dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, I remember that Ken, that Ken Shamrock fight where they were locked up forever. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Tony, exactly. Like, well, I think what you're getting at is like you're in the middle of a lair. You're chasing things down. You're clearing it out. What whatever and you're just gonna like hunker down for an hour like you can but that means something right like yeah. shit's still gonna be going down i mean honestly yeah if you if you take a short rest inside a lair i may use that in fact i did i used this in woodstock wanderers you got short rested inside the goblins lair in the beginning and the goblins set up an ambush for you and you yeah. guys set up a counter ambush for the goblins i mean it's like it a thing happens it's not just like a short it's just not just a short rest you know we're resting they're maybe resting, maybe they're moving because the bad guys don't usually benefit from a short rest or they're healing. You know, you, you don't want to take a short rest when you're fighting a vampire. All of a sudden he's back at full, full, full strength in a few minutes. I, I probably shouldn't say this. I'm in both of your campaigns, but there is no way on this God's earth would I let you take a long rest in somebody's lair. There's just absolutely no way. I'm going to call you on that. You, because... I literally just made the point when you did that. <laughs> You gave us a fucking mechanic that let us take a long rest in literally 30 seconds of actual combat time. You also have done it. I have definitely seen you do it in other games, and I'm going to own up. I do it, too. I remember very – there's been several times when, like, I've had, like, low-level parties assaulting a goblin lair, and they're they're out of stuff. And they're like, okay, we just really fortify the storage room, and we just try to take a nap. <laughs> the, with Storm Kings, that was a bunch of guys – who were punching kind of out of their weight class in the beginning. So I felt that, so that really, they're like, hey, make new characters. And I'm like, great, don't let them near any giants. They'll be incinerated. I mean, uh, and that's basically where there's a flavor of that game. But I mean, in general, like in Strahd's game, in Strahd's castle, if I was running that and we pulled some bullshit where we tried to take a nappy poo in there, I, I really, I would have unleashed hell. Like seriously. Oh, absolutely. It, no, it, I would have out even an hour. An hour. Oh my god. Like we took together an hour. You yeah. would have it would have cost you things because things would have he would know what is happening and things would show up. You can still rest, but things are gonna show up. Well, Strong could pass through walls. That's so some of his minions. I'm sure he has some race around there. He can also go in corporeal and cast the yeah. Maybe he just maybe just he just lays a black slime outside the door and let it go do its thing. Well, it was just black puddings. Just the black pudding, yeah. all the doors, right? Here's how I do this when I when I have so first of all, like if I, if the party I'm playing, if the party I'm, I'm DMing wants to take a long rest in the lair, usually it's because they're really beaten up and they don't when they're kind of out of options. I will let them tell me how they're doing it, and yeah. then I will have the other side react the way they react. And like so, for instance, I remember one. This is a second edition. I'm running a you know, party's running through a goblin lair. 
and it's a big lair and it's got a lot of goblins in it. Like I'm playing it like a, you know, like, like a hundred or 200 goblins in that lair, not just like 10 or 20. Um, and like, they wound up resting in a, in, in, in a storage room and the goblins wound up setting up an ambush outside the storage room. And then they had to figure out, okay, how are we going to get out of the storage room now and not get killed by the ambush? It became a whole like, new encounter. <laughs> it's like, it's like, the, cause the goblins can't pass through walls, right? So, okay. Right. So if you block that the entrance, no. they maybe you can't come in. Maybe they have a way to set you on fire on the inside or smoke you out. Maybe. I didn't do that in this case. But what they can do is just say, well, okay, we got them trapped in the in the storage room. We're going to set up a trap for when they come out of the storage room. That'll hopefully kill them all. And then you see the trap and you figure out what you want to do about it, you know? Yeah. So, like, there's – there, yeah, like, like Dave's saying, things happen – but it's one thing to say things happen when it's Strahd, because Strahd can literally move through the walls of his castle. He can wait till you're asleep, show up, kill someone, and work back out. I mean, think about it. When you're asleep, you're paralyzed, which means Strahd can come in, get the advantage on the attack, attack you, do automatically crit you, and then just warp right back through the wall. You know, it's like Strahd can do things like that. Goblin Lair, Dragon Lair, different, they're different tactical encounters, so I just try to play cool. them out tactically. When we, we held up in the death house, that that made sense. Like that's we, kind of what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. No, also, the death worked. house specifically doesn't have a lot of things actively attacking you. Yeah, that worked because in the end, one, it, though the point was to get you into Barovia. So my my concern is not, oh, they're going to rest here because you guys were not ultra powerful. Like you were already, like Tony just said about story, because you were going to be punching above your weight class. I mean the the last monster you guys are level two at the before you leave the death house and you fight a shambling mound. I mean that's that's serious business, you know. <laughs> like that's, I mean you guys did fine with it, but then when that happens, as we know, the the, the house starts to try to eat you. You know, it starts to come down. As we know now, we didn't understand why the house was trying to all of a sudden when we're in the game. As we have discussed. (laughs) But yeah, but, you know, so I'm not too concerned about it at that point, because, again, the point was to get you into Barovia. So, you know, I don't mind. You want to rest until you enter the keyhole. That's cool. You know, if you're still coming through, you know. That also let me set the tone even more, too, with some of the weird, creepy crap that would happen in the house. That wasn't, like, combat-wise. It was just weird, creepy shit that, like, what's happening? You know, is this something or is it not? That's true, and that's something we overlook because when we talk about, I would never let them do this, I would never let them do that, sometimes letting them do that lets you up the tension or lets you drive home an aspect of the setting that you wouldn't have been able to otherwise in Strahd, it gave you a chance to give people some like haunted type dreams and stuff and kind of really set the spookiness that you're asleep in a haunted house now and that helped to that helped to build the tension and to build the the setting really yeah you know you don't want to overlook that that opportunity just because the party wants to long rest really quickly yeah absolutely and like you just said too you could do it to play up certain tones, or you could do it to show uh, these guys are also uh, trying to kill you, so they're setting up an ambush. Like, you yeah. could rest, but this is also happening. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that is also very case-to-case, map-to-map basis. For like, for example, if you fl- cleared out a floor and a half of a goblin warren, and there's bodies everywhere, and they're all scattered and trying to get their shit together, I could see that making sense. Mm. Um, it's just really where they shouldn't be able to rest on demand. That's my concern. You can't be like, all right, hey, I'm down like four spells. You know, if you don't mind, I'm going to, I don't know, read a book for a minute and take a four hour. Just everybody guard me, stand in front of the door. That's where it gets a little hokey. It drains the tension out of 
well combat in the game itself. Yeah. Lowers the stakes. And the other thing is, when you do attack them that way, whether you use any of these tactics, well, you ruin their long rest. So you, as the DM, often have the option to let them think they're long resting and then ruin it halfway through. Yeah. Because there's nothing more frustrating than we tried to spend eight hours and we didn't get any rest, and now we're still screwed, and it's just eight hours in. And the entire dungeon said eight hours to prepare for us now. <laughs> yeah, they called Larry, the local dragon, to come down and help them with their little problem here. They bribed them with all the gold you were going to take. Of course. <laughs> so guys we've been on about this for a long for 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 uh for about a short rest ourselves getting mm. coming up uh-huh. on the end of our short rest yeah literally so this episode is a in-game short rest like how much shit could you get done in this time like you probably clean your whole kitchen while you were listening to this like shit happens you know <laughs> like we could do a lot Anyway. Think about it. Think about everything you did while listening to this episode. Exactly. We're not quite at an hour yet, but after yeah. we start. How long thoughts. did you drive? Like, you just drove like 20 miles, man. Like, you know. 20 miles? What kind of grandma you are you really driving? slowly. You drove like 50 <laughs> miles. It was city traffic. It was. All right. All right. So, 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 yeah. So, let's round out our short rest by talking about final thoughts on resting cadence and how we like the Cholt rules and what we think we might want to do in the future with our own games. I like the feel of how they're doing it because uh, it does have a higher tension in the game world and its encounters itself. I do understand that they may limit some character aspects and abilities that you're expecting to have, so that can suck. That primarily isn't my concern surrounding the overuse of short rests. While they should have the opportunity to take short rests, it should be at times that make sense, and they should not be on demand, like you're like it's entitled to, I'm taking a rest, and then your party's like, oh, no, I got to fight. I'm not at full hit points, and I'm missing my my some of my spells. Like, well, tough crackers. Like, this is what you're here for. There has to be – the threat level is easier to maintain that way, and you can put out later encounters that you can grind through faster than making these – because if they're always going this long rest, you're fighting these super encounters, then you hit a slog, and it's just – it's not advisable. So returning to my first point, for anyone that is going to be running Tomb or anything like that, I definitely would have, I would bring this up, this idea of this mechanic, just like you would with the rest of the stuff where it's very much resource management. This is, you know, the jungle is a hard place. It's a survival type of atmosphere. So people know what they're getting into. This group, I don't think we had any, we weren't going to react poorly to it because we all jumped and say, no, we want to be challenged. You know, we want to yeah. see what this tomb annihilation is. Uh, so when he did the reveal of this thing with the lo- with, you know, long rest, not giving you the same benefits, I went, oh, sh- shit. OK, this changes everything. And we're now out in the woods for like a day. So like, good luck. You know, what are we just going to go back to the port? So. I like it, and I'm just interested to see how it plays going forward in terms of does it stick the same way the whole game, no matter any time you're traveling, or is it a mechanic they're using to show the deadliness and to push that idea in the very beginning for like that first five levels or so until the characters can bypass a lot of travel issues. So I guess stay tuned for that. And as we were talking here, I realized too in the Strahd game, for instance, I don't know how often you guys actually like short rested. I think you guys did a lot more like long rest stuff. I know Phineas would oftentimes want to do short resting because he gets his spells back at that point. 
Um, but outside of that, there wasn't an excessive amount because you guys weren't like sitting out like, oh, my God, OK, we need to burn some hit dice and things of that nature. Um, so that might have been one of the reasons it didn't really come up because you guys weren't really using it overly. You know, you were I think you were doing well, appropriate things. And if you put yourselves in a situation, you realize that you put yourselves in a situation, I think. you know. I think, yeah, we almost always tried to opt for a long rest if we could in Curse of Strahd. Yeah. Um, the way the group dynamic works. Phineas wanted short rest more often, but <laughs> yeah, didn't always work out that way. All right. So generally uh, each encounter. All right. And <laughs> let me get the two spells back. Let me get back. I only get two. Yeah, come yeah. on. <laughs> All right. And uh and for me. So it is always fun to play with the rest cadence. It is one of the tools the DM has. Now, as Dave said, it is it, it is on the characters how often they rest, but it's kind of on you if you let them rest. You could almost always disrupt the rest if you want to almost always unless they're in a lamb's tiny hut and even then you know well one magic user comes by and dispels that there you go yeah you can you can pretty much you can almost always find a way to disrupt what you want to disrupt at the same time what you need to be careful with as far as limiting long rest too much and short rest too for that matter although we're talking think, more about long rest is you need to be mindful of what that impact how that's impacting the characters because it's not impacting everyone the same way in you need to understand, do I now have a situation where I'm letting the Warlock recharge all their spells every fight, and I'm not letting the Wizard recharge their spells over a week or over two weeks? Like, that's a real, that can be kind of a crappy play experience. So you got to be mindful of that. And as a DM, if you're going to start messing with the rest cycle, you need to pay attention to the effect that's having on the individual players, not just the party as a whole, because it's unequal. So that's my only warning there. Just make sure you understand the impact you're having and make sure the players are still having fun, even if it gets a little grittier and a little harder. That could be fine. But you've got to be cognizant of what you're of what this is doing to the play experience for each individual class. And it is really different. Like, yeah, my warlock Phineas wouldn't care if he was in shoulder. Yeah, I get I get an hour of sleep a night, I'm fine. I'll take coffee lock and I'll really break this shit. You know, I'll take coffee lock and sorcerer and I'll just have unlimited magic anyway. I don't care. <laughs> Sleep? What's that? Um, so, like, for him, it wouldn't matter. For the Artificer, it really might mean that I'm only going to be able to use my marquee thing once per week. That's not going to be fun. I don't think we'll actually play out that way, but that's the kind of thing you need to be cognizant of. I think Dave had a great idea. Schultz has these camp these camp exercises you can do that can give you a bunch of different benefits. I have no idea why one of them doesn't recharge a spell or two. Like, that just seems like a no-brainer. I don't know why they didn't do it that way. Mm. Um, just so you can kind of even this out a little bit. So, yeah, that's it for me. I think, you know, it's it's a, it's a fun mechanic to play with. I try to let my parties long rest about every five encounters and short rest every two or three. But changing it up can be, can be a lot of fun, too. So definitely keep, you think about how you can use that strategically and, uh, you know, for fun in your own games. Well, That's say. it for me. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I think we're right on like a short rest right here. Like right this, about like about, about we didn't even plan it like this. Yeah, we Boom. didn't even plan it. This is amazing. <laughs> that was a good hour, guys. Thanks a lot yes. for putting me on it. Absolutely, good stuff. Ah, uh, now for an actual rest because I don't know. I don't. I, this never quite feels resting. This is just fun. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for joining us at home for another episode of Three Wise DMs. Now, if you like what you heard, please hit the five-star rating button in your podcast platform. That really helps us get the word out. Share it with your friends. Share it on social media. Anything you can do to help us, you know, basically promote the show would, would be really welcome. If you like it, share it. 
please do. If you want to hear us talk about your questions, now this is one of our own questions, but most of our episodes really do come from listener questions. So if you'd like to hear us talk about your question, please send it in to threewisedms at gmail.com or go to our website, threewisedms.com and enter it in the what's your problem field or just talk to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We're very active on all those sites and we're always looking for new ideas. That's it for this week. We'll see you next time on Three Wise DMs.